Well, good morning and welcome. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Tim. I'm the associate vicar here. It's a joy to be with you this morning. And a welcome to those who are watching online. I know that this week there's a number of people watching online after having self-isolation pings uh, throughout the week. And before we start this morning, I just wanted to say tomorrow, obviously, it's what the uh, press are calling Freedom Day. And I know for a lot of us that is mixed emotions. There's things that we're excited about. And maybe for some of us, some of us there's some things we're nervous about as well. Uh, I just wanted to say that um, this week we'll be sending you more information about what that means for us as a church. Um, the Church of England only sent us guidance um, over the weekend, so we haven't had time to look over that yet. Um, that was due to the government being very slow on that, not the Church of England for a change. Um, but we will be in touch more about what that means, because we really want everyone to feel safe and to feel welcome in the church. And we're aware that cases are still rising in Cambridge, and there's lots of uh, things to think about, so we'll send more information about that soon. But over the summer, we've got some really good opportunities to gather together, as David shared earlier. We've got opportunities to meet outside and to meet indoors and to sing together. So at the 9 o'clock communion next week, we'll have some worship together as we share around God's table. But also, I want to encourage you, if you've not been back to church yet, um, since the beginning of the pandemic, and I think I'll probably be speaking to the camera at this point rather than the people in the room. Come and join us uh, as we gather outside. Come and hang out with others. And we really want to gather back as a church community. Also, I just want to say welcome if you're new this morning. I can see lots of faces I don't know. I've still not met everybody in the church yet because most of you will know that I joined uh, St. Barnabas in the middle of lockdown but if you're new and you're here this morning, I want to encourage you after our gathering today, we've got um, a welcome event with coffee and cake over in uh, our garden, literally just over the road. You're very welcome to come to that and to find, more out, find out more about the life of St. Barnabas Church. Um, if you want to come to that, just ask one of the guys with the red hosting team t-shirt on and they'll point you in the right direction. So this morning, we're going to look uh, at Luke 18 together. We're actually going backwards um, rather than uh, forwards. Um, and there's a funny story behind that, which um, I'll share with you if you come and ask me afterwards. Um, but we're going to look at the topic of persistent prayer together. We're going to explore this parable that Jesus taught. And it is the last today in our series on Luke's gospel. And what we've wanted to do this year as we've been looking through this book together is to equip ourselves with tools to live out our calling as missionary disciples. So this morning what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you some practical ways of things we can do to help us as we pray and particularly as we persist in prayer for things that we really want to see God do. And right at the beginning I'm just going to make a statement that I am no expert uh, in prayer. I pray, I pray every day but I myself am still learning as will all of you be. There will be some of you here, though, I think that will have a particular gift and particular calling to be an intercessor. And, and you'll know that God has placed that upon you. There'll be some really difficult things that you'll have been praying for for a long, long time, probably longer than I have been alive. And I want to encourage you guys in particular this morning, if that's a calling God has placed upon you, to talk about what you have learned about persisting in prayer with others in the church. So this week, as you gather in your Barnabas communities, I really want to encourage you who have got a particular gift for intercession, a gift for praying for things for a long time, to share what you've learned. 
when I was uh, originally preparing, uh, preparing this, um, Emily and I were reading a book together, um, this book called How to Pray by Pete Gregg. And what I'm going to share this morning um, is a little bit about what I've learned as I've persisted in prayer for things, but also some of the things that Pete talks about in this book. And I want to encourage you, if you've not read this, to have a go, read it. There's a great uh, reading plan that goes along with it called The Big Church Read. And it's an excellent book on the topic of prayer. It's a good book for beginners, and it's a good book for praying experts. So um, I've got this copy. I'm going to give it to someone who wants it. David, would you mind just running that to somebody? Raise a hand if you want a copy of that. And David will go and choose someone to give it to. There we go. And while we do that, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to look at this passage together. And I'm going to share seven things with you that I think are helpful in this topic of persisting in prayer. So Lord, this morning we pray, come and speak to us as we open this passage of Scripture together. Come and equip us to live out our calling as missionary disciples. Amen. So Luke 18, verse 1 to 8. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice for my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, he will find faith on earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So just over a month ago now, we looked at Luke 16 together, which was the parable of the shrewd manager. And when we looked at that, I said that a parable is a simple story that communicates something about the kingdom of God. We don't need to know things that aren't in the story to understand it. We just take the plain, simple meaning of what Jesus was trying to communicate. And I said, generally, there's one truth behind that parable. And normally, we need to do a little bit of work to understand it. We need to read it and uh, see what it communicates. But here, and usually Luke, has done all the hard work for us. He begins by telling us what this parable is all about. Because we've just read, he says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So at this point, I probably could sit down because Luke's told you what it means and we could have a really short gathering. But I'm not going to do that, don't worry. So we're going to begin just to look at a few of the details here that we see. We have a judge. He's not a believing man. He'd likely have been a man of power to have sat in that position of judge in that society. And we're told that he didn't care what people think. He's not a man of compassion. He's not bothered about what people think of his rulings. He doesn't sound like the kind of judge I would want. I think it's interesting to note that religious rulers of the day were often the people that would uh, be judges in certain situations. 
um, and they'd deal with kind of everyday things. We could maybe kind of say they were like family court judges or small claims court judges. So here, this kind of different judge is maybe more of a criminal judge dealing with crimes or political kind of things. And then we've got the widow in the story. Not necessarily an older woman. I have to say, when I think of widows in the Bible, I think of the Disney picture of uh, what that portrays as a widow, but she's an, um, could be a young woman. We don't know. We're not told. But what we do think, what we do know, is that she has an adversary, that she has an issue with another person. But something we also know is that the Old Testament teaches us that widows should be looked after with compassion and that society should help them. And that's not the response of the judge here, is that he's not had compassion and he's not helped this lady. See, a helpless, powerless woman, she appeals over and over again to somebody with authority and power to vindicate her. So she appeals with him for some time. How long again? We have no idea. It doesn't tell us. It's not the important thing. But what we do know is that finally the judge gives her the justice that she wants and her persistence pays off. So then we see Jesus speak into the truth of this story, the truth about who the Father is and what the Father does. And in verse 6, I'm just going to read this again. It says, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. So how does this work in practice? How, what can we do that's going to help us persist in prayer for things? I'm going to share with us now seven things that I found helpful in this and um, seven things that I think all of us can do to help us persist in prayer. And that verse 7, uh, I'm just going to read that little bit again. Will God not bring about justice for his chosen ones? That leads me to my first point about persisting in prayer. Point number one for us is that we can pray knowing who God is. I think the way that we view God affects absolutely everything, but more importantly, affects how we pray. And there are two things that I think are really important for us to remember about who God is when we pray. And the first thing is an obvious one, but it's that God is loving. When the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, he told them to pray like this. He said, our Father in heaven. He addressed God in a really intimate way, a loving relationship. And I want you, as you pray for things for a long time, to remember that you're praying to your Father God who loves you, somebody who wants a loving and intimate relationship with you. Our God is our Father, and we are his children. It's really important to remember. And Pete Gregg, in that book, he writes... Uh, the deeper we receive our identity as dearly loved children, the greater our desire to spend time with our Father in prayer. We will start to tell him everything and dare to ask him anything because we know that, as Jesus puts it elsewhere, your Father in heaven loves to give good gifts to those who ask him. Isn't that amazing? God wants to bless you. He is lovingly attentive to your needs, always pleased to see you, predisposed to answer the cries of your heart. It's amazing, isn't it, those words? I think verse 7 here reassures us 
of a loving God's response that God will bring about justice. An unjust judge gave the widow what she wanted. As we pray, remember that God is not unjust. He's a God who loves us, and we are his chosen ones. But as well as being loving, I want us to remember that we're praying to a God who is sovereign. God has the power to act on our behalf because God is king. And we have that privilege to come into the presence of a loving king. And I think when we've been praying for a long time for something, it's really important to come back to those two things. Remember that God will bring about justice for those who cry out to him day and night. Keep remembering that God is loving and that God has power because he is sovereign to bring about answers to prayer. So that's point number one. Remember who God is. They're going to get quicker, don't worry. Point number two, find a place of prayer. Just before Jesus taught the disciples how to pray in Luke 11, verse 1, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. In Matthew 6, when Jesus was teaching about prayer, Jesus says, When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. Jesus seemed to have particular places that he liked to pray. And you know what? It's actually really helpful. It helps us build rhythm and routine when we have a place that we name as a place of prayer. It becomes a place of focus for us. But really, when we're praying for things for a long time, I think the thing that really helps us when we have a place of prayer is that it helps us to show up and pray when we don't want to when it becomes a rhythm for us to go into that place daily, when things get really hard, it helps us just to focus on prayer when we don't want to. For me, my place of prayer is my desk, or it's actually the bathroom sometimes because they're the only place that my kids don't distract me. I know for other people, uh, my, my old boss, Steve, his place of prayer was the bath. He used to have really, really long baths and pray. At the beginning of lockdown, uh, my place of prayer was actually going for a walk I'd spend hours, um, well, I'd spend as long as I could within the restrictions at that time, uh, walking around on the phone, phone play, praying with people. I found it really helpful to have prayer being part of my daily walking. I remember as a teenager, um, if I missed um, the school bus, I would invade my mum's place of prayer, which was the car journey to school for her. She would, uh, on her way to work, she would pray for a huge list of things that she'd been praying for for years and years and years. Now she's retired. I actually don't know where her place of prayer is. I probably should ask her that. But I think having a place of prayer, really for us, what it does is it helps us to show up and pray when we don't want to, when things get really, really hard. So I want to encourage you, if you don't have a place of prayer, to find somewhere, maybe a chair in your house, maybe a walk around the block, or maybe a time in the bathroom that you can pray each and every day. That's point number two. Point number three, start with thanksgiving. Why is that? Well, because the Bible tells us to. Philippians 4, verse 6, we all know this verse, don't we? In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. But more specifically, I think when we're praying for things for a long time, when we really need to persist in prayer, I think it's really, really helpful to begin with thanksgiving for things where you know God has worked in that situation before. 
So to recall the times where actually where God has bring, brought healing, if you're praying for healing, where God has provided, where if you're praying for provision. And that might be something in your life, might be in the life of somebody else in the church that you know about, or it might actually be stories from Scripture. For example, if you're praying for healing, go to the Bible and look for a story where Jesus has healed someone and use that to encourage you with thanksgiving. When Emily and I were dating, um, Emily was quite, uh, quite ill for a long time, um, and I prayed every day for God to heal her. But I could do so start, uh, because I started with sharing thanksgivings for when God had healed me. I had a, quite a dramatic healing in my life when I was 11 years old, um, and God really did um, something that is literally impossible in my body. When I was, uh, before I was born, God healed my mum and dad for me to be able to be born. An absolute medical miracle. So I could pray for Emily knowing that God could do that healing in her life because he'd done bigger things, healed more difficult things in my life. He'd healed two people for me to be born in the first place. So I want to encourage you to start with thanksgiving because it builds our faith and it reminds us of the things that God can do. It reminds us of God's power and it reminds us of God's authority to act. Point number four then is just to keep it simple. I want to encourage you not to throw the dictionary at God. Keep it simple. To maintain prayer in the long run, to pray for something over and over again, I think we need to keep our prayers really simple. Because God, he doesn't require eloquence from us, which is a thing I am so grateful for, um, because I'm not an eloquent person. What he just wants from us is a reflection of our hearts. I was chatting um, a few weeks back with um, one of our students who's just left, actually, Jess Stober, um, and I, she said something to me that I really love. And what she said was, when you talk to God, you just need to say what you think. And that is really true. And that's even more true when you're praying for something over the long haul. Just pray to God. Just say to him what you think. Share with him the honest reflection of your heart. I'm pretty sure that's what the widow would have been doing in this story I doubt in her call to the judge, going over and over again, she would have been really eloquent and gone with lots of long words. There would have been a desperation there and a longing to see that mercy. I think this is something I found really, really true um, over the last year when praying um, against COVID. Often, um, I've, to be honest, I've not really known what to pray for. Things have seemed so bad in the world at some point, haven't they? And it's, God, do what only you can do, has been my prayer, or... God, I just pray for an end to COVID. I haven't really known what else to say. And do you know what? That's okay. The point is just to do it, just to show up and to pray whatever is on your heart. And sometimes I've found, do you know what? I've just gone into autopilot because it's been praying for the same thing over and over and over again. And I've just prayed exactly the same prayer over and over and over again for weeks on end. And do you know what? Again, that is okay. That's what the Church of England calls liturgy. It's absolutely fine. And do you know what? Sometimes you might even need to write those prayers down and just pray that same written prayer over and over again. And if you can't find anything within your heart to pray, I want to encourage you just to open the Bible and just to use some of the prayers that we have in Scripture. So keep it simple. Don't throw the dictionary at God. That's point number four. Point number five is to share it with others. We read in Matthew 6, Jesus telling the disciples to go and pray in secret. So there are times to pray on our own. 
but we also know, don't we, that it's a blessing to pray with others. There's something really special about gathering to pray together. We know, don't we, this, then again, this famous verse, Matthew 18, verse 20, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. I think that's something we're valuing all the more, isn't it, after the year that we've had of lockdowns. I think one thing I've found really helpful over the long haul when praying for things is actually just to share that need with someone else, to ask somebody else to pray for it with me, to ask someone to keep me accountable to praying for it every day. I also think it's really helpful to share it because there's going to be wisdom in the room of where actually you think, oh, I've prayed for something like that before, or, you know, I've been praying for something similar for 30 years, this is what I've learned. And you could share that with somebody else. So I want us to encourage, encourage us to be sharing our long-term prayer needs with each other so we can equip each other, we can share our burden together, and we can hold each other accountable. And I remember an example of that in my own life. Um, was actually when, um, when I was nine years old, my best friend Chris was diagnosed with leukemia, and he was really, really poorly. Um, and at some points we weren't sure whether he was going to make it through. And um, my mum gathered with me every night before I went to bed and we prayed, but we prayed specifically for a time for Chris. I remember we prayed for it for four years uh, up until God uh, brought him the healing that he needed. And I learned so much, even as a young child, from my mum in that time of praying, persisting in prayer for Chris. And I'm really grateful uh, that God is now uh, using Chris to do, uh, build his kingdom where he is, and he's now 30, healthy and well. But I just want to encourage you, um, even share prayer needs with your children. Ask your kids what do they want to see God do in their life, in the lives of their friends and in their life, and to pray with each other. You'll be surprised what you're going to learn from each other. So point number six. I want to encourage you to look back regularly for change. This might seem an obvious one, but I think sometimes we forget. We'll look back, and sometimes we forget to see those small changes that God has made in a situation which become part of the big picture of what God is doing. And when you see those small answers to prayer, I want to encourage you to give thanks for them. Write it down. Make a note of where you've seen God at work. Begin to pray then with that thanksgiving of what you've seen God do. And begin to pray into the detail. You can be a little bit more specific in the prayer then if you want to. If you've seen God do this part, but you wanted to see him do um, the next bit of uh, whatever you're praying for, you can pray really into that. I want to just encourage you, make a note of all the things that you see God doing and pray specifically, keep informed about what you're praying for. So number seven, the last one. So, so far we've had pray remembering who God is, find a place of prayer, start with thanksgiving. Number four was keep it simple. Five was share it with others. Six was look back regularly for change. And number seven is the most obvious one, hopefully, of all, but give God glory when the prayer is answered. I don't need to say much more on this, do I? But I want to encourage you to share the stories of answered prayer, particularly sharing those stories of things that you've been praying for for a long time that you've really had to persist in. Because in Revelation it tells us, doesn't it, that we overcome by the power of the blood of the Lamb and the power of our testimony. There is something special about when we share those stories of what we've seen God do.
So I want to encourage you, if you've got answered prayers that you're seeing God do, if you've got things you've been praying for for a long time and you've seen God make a way in that, I want to encourage you to share it, to give God glory and encourage others with what God is doing. So that's been my seven tips for persisting in prayer. I want to encourage us now just to take a moment of quiet. And I'm just going to pray for us before we hand back to David. Lord, we thank you for this story that shows us that you are just and that you are loving towards those whom you have chosen. Lord, in this day we pray that we would know that in our hearts. Lord, we pray that this would be an encouragement for those of us who have been praying for something for a long time. And Lord, maybe today we'll just pray that you may lay on some people's hearts here some other things that you're calling them to pray for some really big, maybe, and difficult things. I think for some of you, God might actually right now be laying on you burdens of things to pray for, people who you want to come to see see come to faith. Lord, give us the strength to persist in prayer. Lord, and help us to give glory when you answer those. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.